This is Patty Scalzo, welcoming all our listeners to Shi'ar Jashub, a Bible study program brought to you by the Church Fellowship of Shi'ar Jashub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut. My husband, Pastor Greg Scalzo, is teaching on heavenly authority in the New Testament. And in the current sermon, he is looking at the characteristics and function of true authority in the church. But before we return to the Sunday sermon, let me invite you to visit our website at www.shiarjashub.org for serious Bible study. You will find information about our church and services, an audio archive of in-depth studies of God's Word, as well as important articles by Pastor Greg. So now let's pick up Pastor Greg's message where we left off last time. What the New Testament is telling us that there is this priesthood of believers and every person is meant to come directly to Jesus Christ and everyone is meant to develop and have the fullness of the Lord and be an active member of the body and the purposes of positions of authority which should be respected by the fact that God gives, the Holy Spirit gives different gifts to different individuals. The responsibility is on those in authority to do what God has called them to do, just like the responsibility is on every Christian to do what God has called them to do. That is different from becoming some type of spiritual guru, leader, rabbi, rabbi, teacher, teacher, someone who, when they walk in the room, everyone has to say, give them awe. This is our intercessor to God. Totally different. And sometimes the words, the semantics, can get confused. One can use pastor over in this application, and one can use pastor in that application. A biblical word, in one point, is rightly used, and another point, it's misused to give unnecessary authority, that which is beyond the New Testament contract. The Holy Spirit does not give authority to make one person the spiritual lord over another. Rather, the authority is for coordination, not chaos, edification, not every wind of teaching, so that there are those who make sure the teaching of the Bible stays pure. It is for the body to work as it should, each part whole. And as such, when properly exercised in the spirit, authority should be respected because when we respect that which is being done according to God's will, and we respect authority according to God's will, then we're respecting God. There is a place for respect, that everything goes properly and right, but that respect should never go over to making someone an intermediary between you and God. You think about Peter and John before the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin, the ruling body made up of the elders of Israel, but they were wrong because they said, preach not in the name of this man, Jesus. And Peter and John said to them, you judge for yourself. Should we obey men or obey God? Ultimately, even though they were elders, they were just men. Even though they were priests and high priests in Israel, they were just men, and they were very, very wrong. 
And if there was a slavish mentality, well, you follow them no matter what. They're your elders. They're your priests. They're your scribes. You listen to them. You follow them. They know what they're talking about. Don't question. Then Jesus should never have been accepted by any Jewish person because the leadership did not accept him. There should never be a slavish following. There should be a respect. Those men deserve respect in the positions they were in, and the apostles never, never talked against them in a vile way. But they had an authority, an anointing from God that so superseded the Sanhedrin and the chief priests and the elders and the scribes that they had to do what God told them to do. When we speak of the Holy Spirit's anointing, we're speaking about the power of God. And I'd like you to look in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 1. Now, Paul is a trained rabbi, but he doesn't use the fact that he was trained at the feet of Gamaliel, that he was educated in the things of Judaism as the basis for his authority. He doesn't mention that. Later on, he tells us in another place that he counts it as nothing, as garbage. Now, obviously, it has value. God will use the fact that he knows the scriptures, and the Holy Spirit will take what there is in Paul and gift him to be the great apostle he becomes to bring so many to the Lord. But the foundation of his authority is not based upon being trained in the institutions as a rabbi. And obviously not, because why? As a trained rabbi, what did he do? He persecuted Christians. That's not enough. Rather, he says, what does he say in Galatians chapter 1, verse 1? He clearly states it. Paul, an apostle. He knows his calling. He knows the ministry God has given him. Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ, and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. Simply stated. Not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father. That's where the authority comes from. He doesn't point to any institution. He doesn't point to any time when someone gave him some credentials. He points to the fact that he is called by God. He had plenty of credentials. In the New Testament, that's not the source. That's not the nature of authority. The nature and the source of authority in the New Testament is through the Holy Spirit from God the Father in Jesus Christ. Not from man, nor through men. God's anointing on his life was his proven authority. And if you remember how we started the series, I don't know if you can remember that far back, but it was in ancient times. We started in Matthew, before we went to the Old Testament. We started in Matthew chapter 21 and verse 23. And if you have a, a new King James Version, it'll be topicized, Jesus' authority question. We're speaking about authority, right? Verse 23, now when he came into the temple, when Jesus came into the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people confronted him as he was teaching. Look at this confrontation. This man from Nazareth, known as a rabbi, 
but he's from Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Was their attitude down in Judea, right? We're in Jerusalem. We have all the, we have the temple here. We have the priestly system. We have all the scribes. You have Jesus confronted by the chief priests and the elders of the people. The established authority and the foundation for that establishment is not unbiblical. Remember, we read about the 70 elders with Moses. We've read about the priesthood of Aaron and his sons in the Old Testament. There is a foundation for it. It's been corrupted. Rome has used it. Politics has settled in. But that happens all the time. That happens in the church. That which can be legitimate, a structure that's legitimate in God's sight, you let it go a generation or two or three, and it will become institutionalized, dead. I can imagine some of the circuit riders, what they would think if they could see what happened to churches they found in this country. When they went around sacrificing their lives, preaching about Jesus Christ, and now there are people in the pulpits that don't know if the Bible is the Word of God, if it's totally inerrant, and they believe what modern social principles are over the principles, the moral principles in the Bible. It didn't just happen to those churches that are uh, many, many centuries old. This happened in recent times, over the last couple of hundred years, to on-fire Protestant denominations. It can happen to any group. And in Israel, the high priest, the teachers, the Sanhedrin have become dead. Politics has entered in. People may be in positions not because God's Holy Spirit has called them to it, Maybe those of Aaron's children who are more qualified to be priests have been pushed away by the politics, and so they're out in the desert crying, prepare the way for the Lord, like John the Baptist, who was a priest. And political manipulators like Caiaphas and Annas have grabbed the power of the priesthood. That's what happens in institutions and religion. So here you have this confrontation this question of authority between this rabbi from Nazareth and these learned, respected men that are seen by the people as their leaders. Now, when he came into the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people confronted him as he was teaching and said, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? How can you do this? So the one difference between Jesus and them is that they're dead, he's alive, and so the Spirit's upon him, and miracles are happening. Things are happening. And the people are responding to what they're seeing, the life in this man. Life that can raise Lazarus from the dead. Life that can make blind men see. Life that can take and change sinners into saints. He's like the prophets of old. He's like Moses among us. And they're losing the Sanhedrin, the high priest, they're losing some of their power because the Spirit of God is acting. And he's pointing to this one man, and the people are responding to him. And so the question is, by what authority do you do these things? By what authority did Elijah do what he did? When they would get up on a Sabbath and read from the Old Testament and read from the scrolls about Elijah and about Moses and the part in the Red Sea. By what authority did they do their things? They did it by God. They testified to God, and God displayed his power through them. 
So they should have been the first ones in knowing the scripture to say, this must be from God. As Nicodemus would say, for who can do the works you do if it was not from God? That's why he comes to see Jesus, but he does it at night. So no one else sees him come. A rational Pharisee or leader should say, wait, he's saying the right things. He's teaching holiness, righteousness. He's turning people. He's taking people in terrible moral situations and making them holy and turn to the God of Israel, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Even the Gentiles want to come in. And then miracles testify to the fact that God is with him because how could someone raise the dead, open the eyes of the blind, and do good works? A good tree produces good fruit. But no, they're affronted by it. And they question his authority. By what authority do you do these things? We'll have to break from the sermon at this point. Join Pastor Greg Scalzo as he continues the sermon next time. And again, let me encourage you to go to the church website at www.shiarjashub.org. Brothers and sisters in Christ around the globe are listening and learning about God's Word from the many programs in our audio library. How important it is to spend time in the Bible every day. And the 14-minute format is very easy to work into your daily plan. From topical studies to through the Bible teachings, you'll find messages that will expand your understanding and appreciation of God's work in the world and in your life. The address again is www.shiarjashub.org and you can always check Isaiah 7 verse 3 for the spelling. May the Lord bless you as you serve Him.